This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we welcome Keith Norby to talk about all the Barcelona fun at VMworld and OpenStack Summit. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi and holy cow, everyone's in the studio today. I don't know what to do. What is this thing in front of me? I, it's, you found an Andrew? I found an Andrew. He was, he was like in a pile of tapas. I, hmm, okay. I'm in North Carolina for the first time and I think uh, the better part of a month. Are you, are you sure that's just not somebody in a costume? With a white beard. It is yeah, the day after be. Halloween. It is the day after Halloween. We are dating ourselves a little bit here. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, so we have everybody in the studio. Glenn Sizemore and Andrew Sullivan are here with Justin Parisi. Uh, the Tech on Tap podcast team is full effect today. It will add nothing to this, but that's okay. Hey, Andrew, what's it feel like to not be in an airplane? Um, less bumpy. <laughs> So, you know, my status level went up. I'm pretty sure that that is not a bad badge of honor. That is a, yeah, that, that you pay for that. One yeah. way or another, you pay for that. Yeah, but as much as all your friends like to get, rib you when you're getting those first-class upgrades on the cross-country flights, uh, what they don't see is the two months that you were basically in the air to get that. Yeah. When you got back, did your children recognize you? Yes, actually. They were, they were ecstatic I was back. As far as, that's a nice feeling. It's better than like, oh, great, this guy. Yeah, that, that's definitely how you want that to go. You don't want to get home and have everybody just be like, oh, man. Oh, oh you're, you're here? With one caveat, my, my wife, she, she cooks, right? So when I'm not there, she makes what the kids call kid meals. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're, they're disappointed to have to go back to real food. Kids meals, what does that entail? Like macaroni and cheese and hot dogs? That's exactly what that is. And Come on, chicken nuggets. Yep. Oh, yeah, chicken nuggets. Yeah. No, no, like filet mignon and. Nope. All mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, beef tartare, yeah. and grilled cheese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm going to say a bunch of French words. Okay. <laughs> well, keep going. Don't stop now. <laughs> Escargot. Wee wee. Okay. That's enough. Um, I'm gonna, I probably just offended all of France. Yep. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, we love you. On the phone today is Keith Norby here to talk about. OpenStack Summit and VMworld. That's what we're going to talk about this week because Andrew was gone for two weeks. We're going to make him earn his money. So, uh, hi, Keith. Hey. hey, everybody. How's it going? Super. Good to be back on. Could you tell everybody that has not heard of you, which I'm sure is very few people, but um, what do you do here at NetApp? Slash Trust me, there's a, there's, a ton of, there's a ton of folks that haven't heard of me and, and probably won't. Um, Part of what I do, I'm, I'm in business development for SolidFire uh, in Val's office of the CTO. Um, and ultimately, the, the fine art of business development is that you're probably never heard from and you're, you're getting um, things for guys like Andrew Sullivan and you guys, um, you know, at BATS, you know, things like speaking appearances or um, joint sessions, you know, we're, we end up being kind of the, uh, um, the guys that get the, all the hero moments for everybody else. And ultimately, try to make uh, make things come together. Uh, kind of make uh, one plus one equal three. So there's some great math for all you engineers. Is that some sort of storage efficiency? One plus one equals three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's all of our competitors' efficiency. <laughs> it's it's actually the truth. One plus one does equal three. It there's does. no such thing as a round number. That's that's right. 
As long as you can extrapolate out to odd numbers, you win. Anyway, um, fuzzy math. Uh, Keith Norby and Andrew are going to tell us all about their exploits at VMworld and OpenStack Summit. Did Keith? Did you go to both? Yeah, I was at both. Um, got a chance to have some good sessions and meetings with Andrew himself, um, as well as a uh, whole set of crew that was there for one week and then the next. Um, and then we had sort of a retreat against humanity with Val and his team. So I kind of had three three parts of the, uh, the of the Barcelona roundup. Yeah, Keith and I were a small contingent or amongst a small contingent of people who stayed for both OpenStack Summit and VMworld, although they happened in the reverse order than that. VMworld was first. So lots of, of interesting times in Barcelona. It's a interesting historic city. Um, lots of really great food, lots of really great things to see. I uh, got to play tourist for the first time on a work-related tr- trip which was interesting. Got to do a bike tour all around Barcelona and all kinds of other stuff. Did you wear bike shorts? No, nobody, even internationally, wants to see that. No no fanny pack? No, although I did consider a fanny pack. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, you know, I kind of wish that I had had the cojones to to rock a fanny pack. Fanny packs are super convenient. I just, I can't do it. Um, I, I would think you'd want the cojones to rock the biker shorts. You got to cut that. Yeah, I think I can vouch for Andrew in the sense that all the guys that were wearing that stuff, he had that classic eyeball to the side look, looking at those people like, oh, my gosh. I, You know, it, it's it's Europe. They have a different fashion sense, right? There is no bagginess, right? Everything is very close cut. It is very... I guess what we in the U.S. would consider fashion forward, but that's okay. That's that's their you, style. You can do that when your population isn't all obese. Yeah, well, and that's just what I was getting ready to say. When you're not as uh, portly as yeah. as some of us in the U.S., it works. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just ate an entire bowl of ramen today for lunch, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, as, as I filled up like a giant bowl full of candy bars last night with my kids, yeah. Just just piled your face into it. Yeah, more or less. Anyway, yeah. so right. so let's uh, you want to you want to kick us off with Barcelona, Sully? And, yeah, and uh, let's start with the the high points of uh, what was different between VMworld and Mia in the U.S. show. What was the big the big announcement that that uh, differentiated the two? Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll say the announcement. I'll I'll let Keith give his uh, thoughts and his feedback on it. Right. So the big thing, uh, well, two big things that came out of VMworld EMEA. Uh, so one, vSphere six point five has been announced. Uh, I, I don't remember if it is available immediately, but so new vSphere version. Right. All the great stuff that comes along with that. Right. Upgrades, updates, increased maximums, all those other fancy things. So lots of exciting stuff there. But really, the most exciting one from my perspective was. VMware announcing that you can get vSphere in AWS, right? So now you can go, you can get bare metal physical servers from AWS, put vSphere on them. It's all handled automatically through their systems, right? Mm -hmm. You can literally move uh, your virtual machines from on-premises to off-premises in AWS, right? Just standard vMotion type operation. Keith, what did you? Uh, what was your takeaway from from those announcements? I knew they really they they took over the world uh, on this side of the ocean. I'm interested what the attendees thought. Well, yeah, it, it was interesting because there was a lot of buzz coming out of VMworld US that there was a lack of pop 
Um, and I'm not sure if they accidentally or purposely saved up all the announcements, but uh, Barcelona, VMworld Barcelona seemed like they had a lot more uh, energy as a result of the announcements that they made. Um, even though VMworld itself has kind of matured and become much more uh, stable, uh, status quo, um, not as leading and innovative as it used to be. I mean, these are these are kids coming off a sugar high of you know working through the first five to six versions of uh, vSphere and all the craziness that Steve Harrod you know brought to the stage. Now it's much more mature. But you know, at, at, in Barcelona here, they finally I think really put some pop behind this with the, with the AWS announcement. They showed an interesting um, elastic DRS capability. That was a bit of a tech preview. Um, you know, some of the rest of it was, was really continuations of what we've seen um, uh, in other shows. So uh, it was more or less coming away with the fact, with with the sense that um, we've got not only a way to run vSphere and AWS and truly be multi-cloud, although they didn't certainly talk about Azure, uh, but they basically talked about covering every other um, public or private cloud. Uh, they also talked more about the uh, state of cloud uh, in terms of the percentage of clouds, because I think what everyone lacks is, is the ability to say, well, what percentage of workloads today are public versus private, and where is that projecting to? Um, because a lot of folks will editorialize that and say, everything's going public cloud like right now. Like by this time next year, you're all going to be out of jobs because it's all going public cloud. Well, the reality is that the data gravity, the, the infrastructure gravity, just the political gravity of, of IT as we know it um, just doesn't move that fast. And so even by, I think the prediction was by 2021 that we're only going to be half the way to public cloud. So there's still a lot of, lot of stuff to be done yet in private cloud infrastructure and frankly, uh, the innovations of multi-cloud. Um, and so uh, VMware, VMware is trying. Um, they're showing a lot of interesting capabilities. They announced vSphere 6.5. Um, Andrew, I don't know if you want to go into depth on that, but you know they're, they're clearly trying to market it to dev and to ops um, to be more of the all things to all people. Um, they showed, I thought, a pretty interesting segue into open source, um, showing containers, in this case, even launching cloud-native apps from vReal as automation. Um, that was using, quote-unquote, Kubernetes as a service off Photon. Um, I'm guessing the majority of that was fake until you make it, but uh, it was an impressive vision of you know, seeing the movie trailer probably in advance of what we could actually deploy today um, and you know, give a compelling argument towards what the future might look like uh, for VMware to stay relevant, which is ultimately the battlefront that has become their, their new charter, is staying relevant. Yeah, to, to those ends... Um We'll pull apart vSphere 6.5 in, in, in coming weeks once uh, everything's flushed out about you know its support and, and, and we've had time to, to line all those guests up, honestly. Um, but but to, to your point, Keith, I think that is a very valid one. For me, man, that AWS announcement just, just it closed the biggest gap that, that I've been personally looking at in that portfolio. And, and, and that's comparing it to what Microsoft had on the other side of the street. And Azure was just this giant stick that was impossible not to acknowledge. And their whole strategy with Azure Stack and the hybrid cloud connectors and connecting into WAP, like Microsoft has a really, really clear strategy for how they're going to connect their hyperscaler cloud with your private data center and the service provider infrastructure that you're renting. And VMware really didn't until that announcement and that announcement closed it that, that that gap and it closed it in a big way 
right? Oh, who do we partner with? The market leader. Any questions? Number one on-prem hypervisor solution, number one hyperscaler, you know, drop the mic, walk away. Yeah, and I think the important thing to draw there is not just the fact that vSphere is running on AWS. It's the fact that once it's running on AWS, that you can tap into all of the Elastic Compute services that you either may not have gotten previously before or you can't pay for on demand. Um, you know, it really seemed like it was the full benefits of AWS, not just running bare metal provisioning for the VMware stack. Um, and I, I think that was lost a little bit in the translation of just saying the word AWS. Yeah, they kind of glossed over the fact that you have access to all of the AWS services for those virtual machines that are running inside of there, which is, you know, really a huge benefit, right? All yeah. of that add-on, all of that value that comes in beyond just the virtualization side of things. Well, and this is where, you know, I, from my opinion, our corporate strategy with the data fabric starts to come in. You know, an organization that 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 realistically looks at doing that 100% of their data doesn't currently reside inside VMDKs today. There's data outside of those virtual disk files, and that data today is not addressed by that, that inbox solution. I'd say that that was probably part of two of the most interesting meetings that I had in all of VMworld. Um, one was the AWS meeting that we had um, with Alex Jock, and um, the other was with Yangbing Lee talking about storage overall and, and vSAN in context to everything else non-vSAN. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but the AWS one is interesting. They're literally just getting started. They're literally just starting, you know, Lighthouse accounts. And, you know, so by VMworld next year, we'll still be talking through the implementation details and uh, adoption of this type of thing. And, and to your point, I think this is a great, this is probably the, one of the best opportunities for uh, NetApp to really kick into a value gear here. Uh, the data fabric has so much value that could be implied in here. And that meeting specifically focused in on that, on exploring some of the possibilities. It was impressive to have Andrew in there to talk through some things, um, to have Val Berkovici in there to talk as he's, you know, has firsthand knowledge of all the different cloud uh, applications for how we'd bring the full portfolio to bear in this model in, 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 in kind of an out loud theory. Um, Andrew, I don't know from your, your, you were in that meeting. I don't know if you had any other takeaways, but I thought that was maybe the most impressive meeting that we had um, at VMworld. Yeah, it, you know, it's lots of really interesting things. You know, we we can't talk about a lot of it at this point, of course, but... Oh, come on. Get into it. You know, uh, we I'll, promise we'll peep it out. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Justin's over there smirking. Yeah, yeah, I don't... I can't guarantee these things. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think there are a tremendous number of very fascinating things on the horizon, Um you know, IT applications specifically inside of IT is changing. And we're seeing that change happen in real time, right? The shift away from virtualization being a primary driver to, you know, looking at how applications are deployed, how they're architected, and how yeah. does the IT infrastructure drive that, enhance that, enable that, right? So it's all all a part of that. And, you know, Two two behemoths of our respective uh, uh, specialties, our respective product lines working together. I think nothing but good can come of it. Indeed. So perhaps that's a clean place for us to to draw a line uh, and and transition. Uh, is there anything else that that uh, you can think of, Sully, that that pops top of mind from VMworld that that you want to make sure we address? Um, the biggest thing for me is, uh, you know, the booth traffic in in VMworld EMEA in Barcelona mm -hmm. was, 
It was a lot the same. It was a lot different. Um, you know, we had a number of really technical people, right? The, the EMEA team is just fantastic for having super technical people out in the field. And, you know, they were able to field questions. They had no issues giving demos and talking to customers and anybody else who came up and wanted to talk to us about, you know, FlexPod or Snap Center or any of the other things that we had going on in the booth. Um, they had a really cool VR demo thing inside of, in the I booth, which was kind of interesting. Um, was that a NetApp demo or were they just showing off like Tilt Brush? I, I think they were, it was a little a column A, a little column B, okay. right? So it was showing off the virtual reality aspect of it, but yeah. it was also, you know, build a next gen data center, uh, uh, that okay. type of stuff. That's cool. So I thought one of the really cool ones was uh, our, our Internet of Things coffee station. So you could come up and they, they had a super fancy automatic coffee machine, right? Push a button and it spits out coffee and, and you know, cappuccino, latte, whatever. But it was connected to yeah. an Ar- Ar- Arduino, Ar- Arduino, right? And then it was connected up into a whole bunch of other services and was doing basically real-time analytics on the health and status of the coffee machine and how much each coffee was costing and all of this other stuff and how... Okay, I thought you were about to tell me that you could like tweet and get a cup of coffee and I was about to just like roll my eyes so hard that I fell out of my chair. But no, instead I'm super interested. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so... uh I mean, it would, where it would literally show, you know, real time, yeah. what's the speed of the grinder doing the coffee beans, right? What's the pressure going through, you know, uh, as it brews the, the espresso, right? But not only that, it was doing further analytics on things like, well, it's been X number of hours, X number of cups of coffee, X number of, uh, you know, milliliters of water that yeah. have flown through the system, right? So it's predicting that descaling will need to happen at this time and hmm. all of these other things that were inside of there. That, that's where I, per, for the most part, IoT for me is just, a, if you didn't figure it out, it's just an eye roll. It's just like, okay, whatever. I'll show, show, me, I'll show up when, it's, when there's something here. But that is where I think there's real adoption, which is in the sensors field. You know, when we start to realistically talk about increasing uh, our, our visibility and being able to, to scientifically measure, you know, how, how, how successful things are or aren't and how impactful they are or aren't, uh, that you can start to make some yep. really good decisions with that data. Yeah. Keith, what about you? Anything uh, that you would draw a line under for, from VMworld before we move on to OpenStack? Yeah, there's just one other thing, obviously, uh, for SolidFire. Uh, it was interesting to see Daimler on stage. Uh, they're talking about a little bit about their adoption into multi- a lot of things, including VMware integrated OpenStack. So at both VMworld US and VMworld EMEA, um, they had the two largest implementations of VMware OpenStack on stage. That was Nike and Daimler, and they were both deployed on SolidFire. So it was cool to see that. Um, it was cool to have a meeting with Yang Bing Lee, who's the general manager for all of storage. And I think the one constant drumbeat that was pretty hard to ignore was vSAN. And it was good to hear her context to vSAN in, in relation to the opportunity at large for all of us. And NetApp internally, we've got to really digest this. When I talked to Chris Wolf, who is the CTO for Americas, you know, he talked about the real, the real superset for storage in VMware is SPBM is really driving yep. policy-based driven management, especially based off of fine-grained capabilities and bringing those capabilities to bear for people to build VMs and applications without having to do classic storage management and just getting more agility in the model. Um, Yang Bing talked about, you know, while vSAN is certainly popular and they, they talk about 5,000 clients are being adopted, um, there's also a lot of room for growth. There's 500,000 implementations of, of vSphere sitting out in, in the world so they're barely cracking the surface of overall storage, which means there's a ton of opportunity out there for 
um, all the platforms we have in, in NetApp, uh, SolidFire specifically with Vvols. You know, um, some great some great backing from her on us, not just on Vvols today, but Vvols tomorrow. And, you know, how we're going to try to bring that to bear. In fact, um, just a heads up for everybody, last Friday, uh, flooring uh, was GA for SolidFire, and so now Vvols is, is out. So um, we're going to get that thing cranked up and going. Yeah, that completely agree uh, on on SPBM being the importance that I've always been disappointed over yep. this past year. Whenever I've watched the community divulge in, into a, a vSAN argument, because whatever that's that that is vSAN as a storage array, it is what it is. But but the SPBM implementation and technology is super important. That is a paradigm shift, and I haven't seen enough customers actually make that jump yet. Yeah, so when you think about that, that's the real that's the opportunity for the chat for the channel to go out there and do professional services in our own consulting organization. Uh, some of the um, some of the um, objections against SolidFire is that it's so easy to set up our our services opportunity is lost on that. You know, it's that doesn't mean as much to our channel partners. And I say shift those implementation dollars into the into the consultative creation of policy based automation. Uh, in ways to help transform the agility of the customer versus just the stand-up of the uh, cluster and the nodes. Hell yeah! And just one last thing, one one last thing back to vSAN, and this is a super important point that we've all got to uh, pay attention to, and it transcend it actually transitions us over to the OpenStack conversation. In OpenStack, um, the SolidFire strategy has been for a number of years, and it's been super successful for us, is to complement Ceph. Don't battle what is already there as a default. What we can assume in a VMware implementation is that uh, in a vSphere environment, you're going to hear about vSAN, you're going to have talk about it, and you can assume they're a competitor to some extent. So the strategy uh, for us coming out of was to start to become a vSAN complement. Like that's going to come in for a specific part of what they might start with, but realize that most of that is, is, is implemented into S, S, uh, SMB and small commercial. Yeah, uh, only sixty percent of the workloads are, are running in mission critical, so that means there's a ton of this opportunity for us to complement what either is there today or what may, might be there in the future. Literally, no one platform rules them all, and sits in the enterprise IT as only one storage platform. It's always a mixed environment, so embrace the complement and find the opportunity. I love the comparison to Ceph. I think that's so appropriate because it, it, it's actually the same analogy. You're right. You know, it, it's it's a great solution that works for what it works for. It doesn't work for everything, and where it doesn't work, we work fantastic. Yeah, and, and, bash, and bashing typically is is the way of the dark side of the force, and that typically never gets you anywhere. Yeah, it, it's it's an instant way to get me to not pay attention to you or anything that's said about your products. <laughs> So uh, last but not least about VMworld, um, definitely want to say thanks to Kate uh, Likowitz and Philip Wackers and the rest of the EMEA group who just made that show absolutely amazing, right? They did all the logistics, they did all the legwork, they did all the stuff, and there's way more than just those two. Um, I am horrible, horrible with names. Ask my children. Um, so big thanks to that whole group um, for making the show su such a success. Uh, so, so week two for Keith and I was uh, after a brief reprieve of all of two days. Um, you know, we went into CCIB as opposed to Grand Fira and set up for OpenStack Summit. So, completely different crowd, right? Uh, remember, oh, yeah. OpenStack Summit is kind of two events in one, right? So, one is the sort of operators, users type conference where it's all the people who 
uh, create, maintain, right, uh, do OpenStack, and then there is a separate developer or, or design summit, rather, for all the people who are literally designing and developing the OpenStack services themselves. Yeah. Uh, so NetApp being NetApp, along with our, our uh, all the people at uh, SolidFire, right? We have a pretty significant presence at the Design Summit, right? So Ben Schwartzlander, for example, is one of the guys. He's one of the co-founders of uh, 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 Manila, so he was heavily involved in that stuff. You know, Rob Esker, uh, John Griffith, right? All those guys super involved with the Design Summit side of the house and making sure that those services are evolving the way that they. Uh, can provide the most value, um, but I ultimately I have very little to do with that um, because I am not a not a developer, nor am I a, a software architect by any stretch of the imagination. Well, plus I mean, it's I know that 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 listeners to this podcast may be interested in that, and if you are, th- that information is out there. But but the vast majority, it's actually not healthy to get lost in those details because that's how you get lost in the quagmire of this technology and you, you lose the value that it provides. Yeah. Yeah. Giggity. So I, I spent most of my time in the booth. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of booth time, which I think is fantastic. Um, got a lot of the, the questions are very different between the two conferences because I spent uh, somewhere between four and eight hours a day uh, in the booth at both conferences, right? And, you know, at VMworld, it's very much, you know, oh, hey, NetApp, how's it going? What's new, right? Tell me about this solid fire thing. And yeah. then you go to OpenStack Summit and it's, well, what is what is NetApp? You know, how, what, what do you do with OpenStack? And it's, you know, hey, have you ever heard of this Cinder thing and this Manila thing? Right. Let me let me introduce you to our portfolio. Um, so it, the questions that we get are are very different, although we do very much um, and, and very frequently encounter those customers who are. Um, you know, fervent uh, supporters, uh, you know, they are customers of NetApp, whether it's uh, ONTAP, whether it's SolidFire. Uh, I've ran into several E-Series customers as well who use us for Cinder and for Manila and are extremely happy. Um, although I think the most frequent question I got was, but what about Ceph? Which is always kind of an interesting one. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed the booth time there, right? Getting to talk with people about the challenges that they're facing with you know, what is ultimately a different set of applications, right? Yeah. Typically speaking, OpenStack is less um, pets, right? There are still pets, most definitely pets inside of OpenStack, but it's more of those um, cloud-native-esque, right? Maybe not 100% cloud-native, right? Containers and all that other stuff, but cloud-native-esque applications, right? Applications that are designed to be deployed automatically, that are designed to take advantage of the DevOps paradigm and all of that other stuff. So... Different, different audience, right? Different mindsets, um, different, just different questions. Um, yeah, all of it great. Yeah, well, I'm it, super. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I want to make the, 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 the obvious reductive pass statement, but it's not accurate anymore. Those guys have done so much work over there that that actually these days OpenStack is wildly impressive. Yeah, and it's getting more so, right? Um, you know, OpenStack for a long time, even last year at uh, Insight, we had our session and, you know, we, we like to crack jokes at OpenStack as being the most complex, right, install that ever has been. Yeah, David uh, Kane was having none of that, by the way. Yeah, um, but, you know, the community, uh, and by the community, I mean, you know, the, the owners of all of the OpenStack services, they know that, yeah. right? It's not a secret to them, and they are working fervently in order to address that. And interestingly, this this year, I had several not only meetings but also conversations with people around. There is a lot of people who are deploying the OpenStack services 
in containers on top of things like Docker Swarm and Kubernetes. So they're decoupling the management services from this, the, the actual compute or storage or whatever the other services happen to be that they're providing, which is good and bad, right? One, it adds another layer of complexity, but two, it also means that you get all of the you know, features of Kubernetes, for example, high availability, right? The ability to scale up and down as needed, all of those types yeah. of things. I don't know that it adds another, yeah. I don't know that it actually adds complexity. Definitely adds the amount of moving pieces, but it, I would actually argue it well, decreases you, complexity a you little. You still got to have that Kubernetes cluster running. That is true. Sorry, Keith, I cut you I off. Do, I do like, the, I do like the, uh, the, the humor that they have in some of the project names, like having bare metal be called uh, ironic. That's, I think, kind of funny. Yeah, you don't want the community to take themselves too seriously. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, because normally everything is about virtualization. So going back to uh, bare metal services, you know, is, is ironic that it's going back to the future. Um, I, anyway, still, I still don't get it. Joke, joke, joke's not lost on me. Um, but what I thought, you know, there's a few things that were were interesting, and it's a very much an opposite side of the coin from VMworld. You know, here you have a very vibrant, very growing ecosystem that's matured to the point of being absolutely installable and real. I think the move ad change of the environment in the future, you know, gets to be part of the issue that, that you've got to wrestle with in your own environment. And, you know, the larger you are, I think the more that becomes pretty um, pretty hard to work with and hard to deal with, which is why they'll typically go with um, either a managed service or some kind of a heavily service augmented thing. Like if you look at AT&T, that was, you know, armies of PhD and uh, Marantis and others getting that OpenStack cloud running. Um, now I think you, you'll see the rise of, of the mid clouds and, and different easier to implement clouds um, that come out of here. So it's not just all the big companies. Um, I thought at the keynote, there's a couple of things. One is um, one and one was was um, mentioned to the super user. That's a solid fire uh, client. So it was good to see them continue the streak of us having super users every OpenStack summit. Um, sorry, you'll hear the dog barking a little bit in the background. That means we're just having a good productive call. Um, the other thing that was interesting is seeing um, Platform 9 do a little bit of the page from the week previously with VMware, where they actually created up a VM uh, in Horizon and and migrated and basically had it show up on AWS as a managed uh, hybrid cloud uh, from their control plane, which is managed out of uh, Platform 9's uh, data centers and managed service. Um, so it was a real interesting way to see some of the ecosystem grow up um, and with uh, some of the vendors emerge. Um, Cisco with MetaCloud is moving from a 100% managed service SLA type approach to more of a hybrid. Um, and they're using a Red Hat distribution now. Um, you see Mirantis move more towards a managed um, OpenStack thing versus trying to do a um, build a big erector set one at a time type of approach. And obviously with the fail of HP's managed uh, or OpenStack distribution, the big tent theory has been um, a failing expedition for a lot of folks. But, you know, to me, if I, if I were to put my finger on one thing that I thought was the most prevalent outside of obviously everyone talking containers, like you'd expect, was NFV. And, you know, I know that the classic um, set of NetApp folks might look at network function virtualization and SDN as like, well, what the hell does that have to do with storage outside of the fact that we use networks? You know, in the last six months, specifically for me, and especially at this show, I've certainly seen a real awakening of the NFV opportunity. Um, and primarily this is driven by the telcos. 
And at this show, you know, we really saw a coming together with the NetApp of some people like Carlos uh, and Nevis and, and Emiya that are doing specific real groundbreaking work at NFB. I mean, they've got like research done, narratives put together. There's a whole discovery of how storage um, both is irrelevant and really meaningful and the continuum. And studying that to me is just really an interesting like opportunity. For those that haven't dug into it and you cover telco or you cover really large service provider or really large enterprise, you know, the virtualization of these hardware appliances for network functions is going to lead to a tremendous amount of opportunity if you pay attention to it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the, n- ab- no objection. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the project that, that, that I spend my days on right now actually has a uh, customer premise uh, component to it that, that is currently using an old-school, traditional physical router. And, and one of the questions that we're getting peppered with from time to time is, hey, why is that thing still on the rack? And, and we're, we're almost at that point, right? We're right on that line where, where you have to have a really serious conversation about what the, the, the center of the cloud is. And if, and if it's going to be something like OpenStack that has those extensibility options, yeah, it starts to make sense to just go all in. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, you could have a very innocent implementation of virtualized network functions, um, or also called BNFs, um, where it's just a few of these things, and it's not very, um, the, the scale doesn't really weigh that much. But, you know, the more the scale you get to this stuff, the more it almost takes on an AI-like approach. And the ability for all these network triggers to fire up a network service, a VNF, um, to have the manager or have the mano. Um, you know, kick into lots of scale-based management of these um, services starts to really require a completely programmable storage layer. And very few folks have that. So, I mean, when you, when you sit and parse through all the ways to compete, you know, I can't think of a better way to sort of do that. And selfishly, in this case, from a solid fire perspective, it's really become an ace in the hole for us, even beyond QoS. So when stuff like that starts to emerge and come forward, not just that NFD is sort of pronounced at the OpenStack Summit, uh, but a real opportunity for really greater NetApp. You know, I think something like that definitely deserves closer looks in the future and everyone to, you know, pay attention as this as this evolves, as, the Net, as NetApp forms a team um, and tries to address how we do this right. Yeah, I do think there's some aspects to that, though, that, that just reflect the difference in market. You know, the, if, if, if you're looking at uh, a, a larger provider use case, you know, who's dealing with the problem of a large number of, or even, you know, just a decent number of tenants, doesn't even have to be a large number of tenants, then the ability to distribute that load uh, using something like NFE makes a ton of sense because, you know, it, it, it can help you control costs. But the point solutions are always a little bit slower. Right than 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 their hardware equivalent uh, equivalents, which I don't know. It, it makes it it makes it not quite a, a black and white conversation, but it's absolutely a conversation that that I think two years ago we were having just because the technology was being developed and it was new and we were somewhat interested in it. Today we can have a real conversation about is it right to make the pivot? Yeah, and so my tip of the cap is to guys like Carlos and. Eves out of uh, EMEA and Jeff Darish and Michael Bag out of, out of the U.S. Uh, for SolidFire. You know, these are the guys that have, have really raised the flag early and, and helped to provide a lot of the clarity in this space. But I didn't want to congo the conversation on OpenStack Summit on NFE, but, you know, if you look at the user survey between 
containers and that, those are by far the number one and number two things that uh, the folks that attended that summit were looking for. Well, I would hope that they weren't complaining about a lack of ability to automate storage at this point. We've got that pretty well covered. Yeah, and it was, you know, Manila kind of emerged forward, I think, um, as well as obviously Cinder continues to go strong. Um, the Ceph compliment was mentioned previously. We had a we had some nice meetings on that uh, topic, and you know I think there's there's an interesting amount of opportunity there for us to look at the market and say, um, like our approach to solid part has been very successful that way to say, you know, let us show you how we complement Ceph um, and provide a complete storage catalog or a storage service um, to an OpenStack implementation. You know, a strategy like that really has paid off well and. Um, there's a lot of design characteristics to move into that in terms of how you divide, uh, design the offering. Yeah, I, I agree, right? It's it's a portfolio. And being able to offer block-based storage, whether it's from SolidFire, whether it's from ONTAP, being able to offer the file-based storage, right? Uh, I think a lot of customers are, you know, remembering that file-based storage is a thing, right? Manila is valuable, um, which is kind of funny, right? That's where NetApp started at. Um but going forward, I think it's going to be interesting. And in particular, having you know all three, all four, if we include Storage Grid, um, in that, that uh, I want to say solid fire, but what I mean is OpenStack, uh, in the OpenStack offering environment, I think is going to be critically important. You know, Being able to provide and tailor the storage to what they're really trying to do. No, I think you got it right. I think when you think OpenStack, you think solid fire. That's, that's pretty good um, word, word play. Um, the other thing too that um, you know, I think we got to think about is um, you know what's what's the approach going forward now? You know how does this apply to everybody listening on the podcast? What can they take away from this? You know it, it really is two gravity wells. I thought one of the more interesting takeaways was that Docker wasn't at this show. You know Mesosphere the the container ecosystem was absent really at this show. You didn't see Ranch Labs. You didn't see anybody that was at DockerCon or MesosCon. So what does that mean? What does that say? Even though you know that there's a ton of talk about how containers fit um, into the OpenStack ecosystem, it's not like it doesn't work there, but it's kind of interesting how everyone sort of skipped the OpenStack Summit for whatever reason. Yeah, because they're busy trying to convince the industry that it's something different so that they can monetize it separately. Okay, and now I've driven us into the ditch. (laughs) I... I don't. I don't. I have. I have no words. <laughs> All the times I yanked the wheel out of the ditch for you. You can't help me once. So, Keith. Um, yeah. Uh, how about those Vikings? Oh, <laughs> damn it. Okay. I pointed at the wrong person. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what, what, what I what I what I will say just to kind of put a bo- to put a bow on the OpenStack Summit is that um, we had we had a lot of great meetings with Red Hat. If you think about like who are probably our our, our number one alliances. Um, Within the OpenStack ecosystem, Red Hat definitely emerges. And, you know, there's going to be a lot to come with them in the future. So stay tuned. Um, we can certainly go through that over time. Um, but, you know, there's some, there's some players that are really growing up. You look at Platform 9, what they did. Um, Marantis, they were a keynote last time. Um, they certainly haven't gone away, although they're going through some reshuffling of people and um, refocusing a little bit. Um, there's a lot to dig into here, and I think that's the one thing – I don't want everyone to think about it, that OpenStack isn't just OpenStack. It's not just trunk where you go to OpenStack.org and download the bits and go about your way. You know, 
when you're involved in an open stack deal, you really got to be thinking about who else is involved in that ecosystem. Is it a is it a Marantis or a Red Hat or someone else's distribution? Who's the distribution, and what are they trying to get out of that distribution? Uh, hone into that between all the platforms we've got integrations that matter there. We've done the, you know, the fuel testing with Marantis as an example. We've done the certification against REL OSP. Um, lots of focus on REL OSP 10 when that comes out. You know, that's the things that I think matter because it is always a solution, not just the bits of the technology. Absolutely. And I, I think that's something that uh, all of us vendors, right, need to remember is that it's not a, a point, right? We are not one piece or we are not the entire solution. Rather, we are a piece in the solution, right? And uh, how do we play in with that? How do we integrate? How do we provide the most uh, robust overall experience to the customer? It's kind of interesting, man. You know, when you think back, it used to be all about like end to end. You know, what is your ability to deliver a total solution? And, and the more gaps you had in that total solution, the harder you would be pressed when you sat down with, with larger customers in particular to, to be able to connect all those dots and prove that you were the right choice for them. But in, in, in this brave new world, it's very much moved away from that. And it's, it's about being, knowing what you're good at and being good at it and, and playing well with, with your partners. So uh, the only thing I have left, the only thing I have to add to that is uh, much like with VMworld, right, a great big thanks to the people who helped put together OpenStack Summit for us. Uh, so, you know, on, on whether it was the SolidFire or the ONTAP uh, slash E-Series side, right, so I know uh, Brendan Wolf was a huge contributor, right, in getting everything organized along with Melissa McGrin, uh, Kelly Beckman, right, um, whole whole team of people. Again, I know I'm forgetting a ton of, of names, but... Kelsey Cook, get him right, Kelsey Cook. Yeah, Kelsey. Yep, Kelsey. Kelsey helped out. Uh, and speaking of Kelsey and Kelly, I know that they had some uh, audio that they recorded while at OpenStack Summit that I believe we were going to be adding in. I'm looking at you, Justin. Yes, they, they will be in there. Uh, so actually, at the end of the show, we'll be adding in the excerpts from the interviews that Kelly and Kelsey took care of at OpenStack Summit. They asked about the overall general feeling of OpenStack Summit as well as the tapas. Tapas was the key discussion there. So it, it is Barcelona. It, well, I mean, what, what else would I you mean? Talk? The only other thing you could ask about is sangria. Yeah, or Ibiza. That's true. Sangria by the bucket. It's the only way I order it. Waiter, I'll take a bucket of sangria. <laughs> bucket O. I think I might have gotten diabetes from all the fruit juice. Uh, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, all right, uh, Keith, anything else? Uh, I think I've totally wore out the verbal track here. I'm all right. Good. So if people want to reach out and stalk you, Mr. Norby, how, how can we go about doing that? <laughs> well, if you know how to spell my first and last name, you're good. That's it. It's at Keith Norby. Last name is spelled N-O-R-B as in boy, I-E. So hit me on Twitter, the Twitter spheres, and um, I'll, I'll follow you back. What's your Match.com profile? Um, that's called Retired for <laughs> many years, thanks to Mrs. Norby. That is a great answer. <laughs> Good answer. All right, Keith, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us about your uh, OpenStack Summit and VMworld exploits, as well as Andrew uh, for adding whatever he added. Um. <laughs> hey, this is the first time we've seen Andrew on the podcast since before Insight US. It's been a while. 
It's been, yeah, it's been a while. And I have been, literally, I've been traveling for five of the last six weeks. So, yeah. I'm and glad we're traveling be, next week. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back. We, I'd say we're glad to have you, but that, that's a lot. I yeah. know. It's okay. Before we go, Kelly Beckman and Kelsey Cook of NetApp Solidfire were kind enough to act as the Tech on Tap podcast roving reporters at OpenStack Summit. We strung the interviews all together for your listening pleasure. Here they are. Hi, so this is Kelly Beckman. I'm a senior product marketing manager at SolidFire, and I am here with... Kelsey Cook, global events and influence marketing manager for SolidFire. So we are here in Barcelona, Barcelona, um, at the OpenStack Summit, just kind of hanging out on the floor, going to some sessions, seeing how things are going. So this is my fifth OpenStack Summit, and Kelsey, how many is this for you? This is my seventh OpenStack Summit. Oh my gosh, you're like an OpenStack veteran. So old, so wise. So old, so wise. Um, but just having been to five and having been to seven, you know, we've, we've definitely seen this ecosystem mature. And so while we're at the show this week, we're going to be uh, walking around asking people what's going on at the summit, what their goals are, impressions, learning what the greatest tapas are. We've got a lot, a lot of good questions lined up. We do. Thanks. This is Kelsey. I'm here with Kamesh. Kamesh, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, hi, this is Kamesh Pemaraju from Mirantis. Thank you for being here. Um, so what do you do at Mirantis? Uh, I run product marketing and technology alliances. I'm the VP of uh, product marketing at Mirantis. Um, so everything from you know, helping our customers understanding our product um, and working with the partner ecosystem. That's what I do. Cool. So how many OpenStack summits have you attended? This is my 10th consecutive summit. That is awesome. Consecutive. So you've never missed one. I've never missed one. Okay. So 10th, what was your first one then? Uh, my first was uh, Boston in 2011, I think. Did Mirantis sponsor at that time or just attend? No. Okay. I was not at Mirantis at the time. I was okay. Okay, cool. Well, so yeah. OpenStack Summit veteran here. Yeah. Um, so at this summit in particular, we're yeah. in Barcelona. Um, today was the first day of keynotes. What are your general impressions or any thoughts around this summit in particular? Yeah, well, one thing that surprised me this morning, I, I'm, this has been a trend for the last 10 summits, is every time Jonathan or Mark Collier would come on stage and say, how many of you are new to the summit? You'd usually get about, nah, I'd say 50 to 60% hands up. Today, it was more like 80%. I mean, everybody here is new. I mean, I know a lot of people in the summit. Um, I, there are new faces everywhere. And I'm noticing a lot of users. So it's getting more main, mainstream. That's my, that's my sense. You know, having been doing this for the last three, four, five years, Initially, it was all developers. It's all people that are trying to build the code out. Now we're seeing, starting to see some real enterprise traction, right? Users that are that want to know how to use this stuff, which is great. Yeah, that's great. It's definitely evolved over the years, yeah, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, are you working on anything specific this week that you want to get out of the summit? Uh, from a Mirantis standpoint, uh, so we have we have changed our messaging a little bit over the last you know quarter or so. Uh, we, we were known as the, um, like the company that builds OpenStack clouds for our customers. This is where we have always been you know, known for in the industry. Uh, so more recently, we have started doing operations stuff, right? Because this is what customers are asking for. It's great for you to go build clouds. Hey, I have this nice, new, shining, thousand-node cloud up and running. It works. I put my workloads on it. Three months, three days later, there's an outage. Or one of my networks has gone down. Or I need to upgrade or update. Nah, we don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Please help us with that. So that's all operation stuff, right? So we have started to formalize that, and now we call it the, the Mirantis Managed OpenStack Offering. Okay. 
So it's more like a managed service offering. So we help our customers basically say, look, you know, you have the cloud, give us the keys, we'll operate it. Now you worry about the workloads. You worry about your business and we'll take care of the cloud for you, right? So this is the new kind of messaging. And if you go to our booth, you'll see our, our nice colorful BOT messaging. Yeah. It stands for Build, Operate, Transfer. So not only do we operate the cloud, but it's also customers that say, hey, it's great, but we don't want you to own the keys all the time. Give it back to us. Mm -hmm. At some point, when we're ready, we'll take it. And we have the option for them to um, transfer the cloud back to them. So that's the new messaging. That's awesome. Sounds like an exciting time for Marantis. And your guys' booth looks really amazing, by the yeah. way. So good work. Um, and I have one final very hard-hitting question for you. What is your favorite tapas to order? Oh, shoot. I should go to a tapas order. I haven't <laughs> been there yet. Oh, no. Tonight I am going. I just landed yesterday. Okay. And there is a tapas restaurant in the... Um, in the mall, mm -hmm. right next door, mm -hmm. and I, I walked by the restaurant yesterday, and it was packed. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> so, I'm gonna check in on you tomorrow and see how it was. So absolutely. thank you so much for being here. Okay. So tell me your name and who you work for. Hi, I'm Madura Miskowski, and I'm co-founder and VP of product at Platform Nine Systems. And my name is Cody Hill, and I am the lead systems engineer at Platform Nine Systems. Um, so which summit is this for you? Um, this is my fifth, which is slightly terrifying, but... This is personally my fourth summit, and for Platform 9, I think this is, this is also our fourth summit. So. Cody? This is my second summit with ah. uh, Platform 9, yeah. Okay, so differences here than you've seen at other summits. Um, yeah, so at, I was at Austin, and Austin was a lot larger, um, but there's a, a lot, seems to be a lot more momentum here at, uh, in Barcelona. OpenStack's growing. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, lots of large-scale OpenStack use cases, validations, interests. Um, so, yeah, great. It is great. Um, so Platform 9, long been a, a great partner of SolidFires before we got acquired by NetApp. And I really think all of the platforms you address from OpenStack to VMware to Kubernetes really you know, help set your product apart. So talk a bit about the demo that you ran during the keynote. Yeah, absolutely. So the project is codenamed OpenStack Omni. Um, and we just published it, released it today. Um, and the point is, or the exercise that we ran behind it was, um, what if we could transform OpenStack API to be that single unifying layer to manage not just private endpoints, which is what OpenStack is used for today, but also the popular public clouds, right? Such as Azure or GCE or AWS. Um, and so to kick that effort off, we built the first set of OpenStack drivers to integrate OpenStack with AWS. So the demo we presented was using a vanilla OpenStack environment that is an under the hood managing an AWS deployment and then doing all the regular operations through that OpenStack environment, such as deploying a VM, deploying networks via Neutron, routers, and all of that nice stuff. Behind the scenes, seeing that reflected in a very quick and easy way on Amazon AWS. So you're using the OpenStack interface to manage EC2, manage S3, manage every service that you would need with it. That is really cool. Um, what did it take to kind of bring that to market? Um, yeah, we actually uh, started this off as a summer intern project. And we had a few interns uh, start building this, and then uh, they presented at the end of the summer. And then uh, we've took it and kind of hardened it and, and uh, made it production ready over the last couple months. That is an amazing story. You started this as an intern project? Did you have the idea, or did the interns come with the idea? 
Um, so this is an idea that's come up for quite a bit of time. A lot of our customers have been asking that they wanted to have the ability to burst into the public cloud using our product, and, and they didn't want to use a third-party solution. Um, they, wanted, they, they said it'd be great if we could just use the OpenStack APIs and the same UI and go to the public cloud or private cloud. And so it's something we've been wanting to do for a while, and uh, having those summer interns gave us the opportunity to start building it. So hear that summer interns, every internship matters because you can do really cool things. Okay, so last question, we're in Spain. Tapas, what's your favorite tapas? Oh, I'm horrible with names, but I had this uh, ham tapas. It's like a, the staple here, right? It's, uh, it was ham, it was amazing. Um, I had it last night. I really enjoyed it. Yes, ham is great. Okay, and? For me, it's the cheese and tomatoes and a bit, a bit of arugula, etc. I really like those ones. That was very good. I had some deep-fried ball of amazing last night that you know was filled with ground beef, mashed potatoes, and deep-fried, and we ordered two rounds of them. They were wow. so good. I will miss that when I leave Spain. Okay, well, thank you for your time today. Thank you very much. Okay, so why don't you tell me your name and who you work for? Hi, I'm Rui Okoshi from NTT Communication. I do marketing. I'm Joe Hideki Kujo, and I'm working for NTT Com, and I'm a global product development. Okay, awesome. So which OpenStack Summit is this for you? This is the Barcelona OpenStack Summit. Have you been to any before? Did you go to the one in Tokyo? Actually, this is the first one I'm coming to. <laughs> oh my gosh! And, and quite big. It is quite big. You're new at this. And what about you? Which one? Uh, this is my third time. I went to uh, Austin and also Tokyo too. So. Austin and also Tokyo. Fantastic. So this is your first one, so you can't tell me how it's different than others. But between Tokyo and here, what kind of changes have you seen in the OpenStack ecosystem? Um, I think a lot of new technology, a lot of things, excitement, that's good. Um, well, I like Barcelona because of the food, <laughs> yeah. everything's good. Exactly. Well, every uh, summit is fun, but I think uh, a lot of excitement, new you know, technology, new things going on, containers, everything else, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So you guys were the Super User Award winner at the Tokyo Summit. That was a fabulous summit. Um, really enjoyed that. So, you know, what kind of changes have you guys or new things have you focused on since then to kind of keep the pace of innovation within OpenStack? So we have um, public OpenStack within our um, service called Enterprise Cloud, but we partnered with Mirantis this year to be able to provide a private cloud OpenStack, which is managed and operationalized. Yes. Oh, fabulous. Great. Okay, so last question, because I promised this would be fast. It's Spain. We all love the tapas. So what is your favorite tapas that you have had in Spain so far? That's a difficult question because I liked all the tapas. That was, that was great. That was great. But I think the one that had, uh, just I think it's a typical regular one, but on the, the bread, tomatoes on the bread, all that, that's really good. Pan con tomato. Oh, it's okay. very good. <laughs> I speak just enough Spanish to tell a taxi cab driver where to get me. Meat. Uh, beef. <laughs> oh, and all the jamón and the beef. and it, it is absolutely wonderful. Okay, well, thank you for your time. Good luck at the summit. Thank you. This is Kelsey here on the OpenStack Summit show floor with Sandro. Sandro, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, so my name is Sandro Maziota. I'm a director of product management uh, at Red Hat uh, in the OpenStack team, and uh, I'm the director of product management for our uh, NAV solution. Great, nice to meet you. So, how many OpenStack summits have you attended? Oh wow, uh, I, I, it's probably my number uh, nine uh, summit or ten, something like that. So we, we don't really count, you know, when this is too much. 
Okay, so as a veteran of OpenStack summits, um, do you have a specific goal in mind for this summit or any projects that you're working on in particular at this time? So, uh, um, uh, because of, uh, for me, the OpenStack Summit, uh, based on my role, is uh, two, two, uh, two activities to talk with our uh, partner and customer about the uh, latest development that we have done for the NAV uh, space. So, network function virtualization is a very hot use case for uh, OpenStack community. And also working with the developer and uh, about the new features that we will be introducing in the in the next release. So I am uh, half in the with our uh, customer and partner, and half with the developer to specify what will be coming next. Okay, sounds like a great mission for this week. Um, so my last question, because we're in Barcelona, um, what is your favorite tapas or tapa tapai? Yeah, uh, for me it's patatas bravo. Uh, that's what I like uh, the most. <laughs> Me too. Great answer. Well, thank you so much. Hope you have a great week at the summit. Yeah. My pleasure. Okay, so why don't you tell me your name and what you do and who you work for? Um, I'm Jaime Fuyalondo. I work for uh, Datadog in New York City, uh, and I'm a software developer over there. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I work, I work uh, mainly in the integrations, so ingestion of uh, collection and ingestion of metrics. Awesome. So which OpenStack Summit is this for you? Is this your first or have you been to ones before? This is my first one. Uh, I do know we were here last year as well, but I wasn't. Uh, and uh, yeah, really, really excited to be here. So tell me a little bit, just kind of the feel you're getting. Now you're from Spain, so Barcelona's not too far from home, but you know, the, the vibe that you're sensing around the summit this, this year. Um, well, I love being here first because, you know, I'm Spanish, so it's, it's great to be here. Uh, the vibe is great. People are... I think it suits uh, what we do, uh, Datadog as a company, because there's a lot of uh, operations guys, and you know we help with monitoring. So in that sense, it's really good. And I think people like like Spain, so they're, everybody's quite upbeat. So yeah, it's uh, it's been really nice so far. So you do monitoring. What kind of data do you aggregate for customers, and you know the visibility that they get into their systems through your product? Yeah. So we mainly uh, focus on uh, infrastructure monitoring. Uh, so. Uh, there's basically three different types of integrations that we provide. Uh, one is the uh, cloud providers, so AWS, uh, Google Cloud, uh, and Microsoft Azure. Then we have an agent uh, you can drop uh, in your infrastructure, in your agents, your nodes, et cetera. And then this agent will collect uh, from a bunch of different like system metrics, of course, uh, Linux, uh, Windows, and OS X are supported. But we also uh, collect uh, metrics from the services, so message queues, databases, um, load balancers, uh, you know, a wide array of wide array of, uh, of, of metrics. Also, uh, containers, so uh, the container engines like you know Docker, uh, stuff like CoreOS, Mesos. Uh, so we try to integrate, you know, with anything that might be on a modern stack that people you know use to deploy their software and their applications. And then finally, we also have integrations with collaboration tools like Slack, like uh, HipChat, PagerDuty, so that whenever we generate an alert based on the metrics that we receive, uh, we can notify our customers through you know, a wide array of, of, of tools you know, so that we can cut their, uh, their time to response and hopefully you know, save downtime. 
So you mentioned containers. So I'm curious. I've, I've run into you guys at a lot of container-focused events like DockerCon. Um, talk a little bit about you know what you see happening with containers and container adoption. I feel like you know Op- OpenStack has really achieved some maturity in the market. It's been around for a while. And so now we're starting to see containers come on as a very complementary part of an orchestrated cloud. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty crazy, the, 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 the adoption of, of containers. And it's pretty much off the charts. Everybody seems to be moving. Uh, so there's a huge trend of moving to the cloud and there's a huge movement, moving uh, trend of moving to microservices. And uh, CoreOS, Mesos, uh, Kubernetes, you know, a, a lot of people moving the architectures towards this because it, I mean, and, and us as Datadog as a company, we've got to adapt to that, uh, collect metrics from all of these services as well. So we know very well the pressure uh, from our customers to provide top-notch monitoring in, in that sense. So we see it, we see it firsthand, and um, it's it is a challenge because it's very rapidly moving, and there's there's different platforms. So you know, uh, you know, there's Docker and there's Rocket and there's you know, like I was mentioning, CoreOS and and. Uh, for example, Kubernetes is now uh, providing metrics through Prometheus. So there's new ways to collect metrics. And um, I, I just see the industry really vouching for this. Yeah, I, I would agree. So overall, what are some other interesting trends you've kind of seen around OpenStack in particular? Um, well, OpenStack is, OpenStack is a difficult environment for us uh, in the sense that it is so rapidly evolving and uh, it iterates so quickly there's six months every six months you get a new release uh, they are not maybe the best at maintaining backward compatibility uh, so that hurts us a little hey, bit hey OpenStack did you hear that <laughs> yes please so sometimes uh, we've had some things break uh, but um, I compared like, to two three four years ago when you know everyone is very focused on VMware because uh, well, VMware has a great product but OpenStack being open uh, is is uh, is definitely. I can see some traction there. I can see I can see the industry. I can see actually here at uh, at the conference a lot of telecom interest. The telecom in- industry is full. I mean, full force behind this OpenStack uh, OpenStack adoption, and um, I, it's definitely a trend I've, I've spotted. Yeah. I would agree. If you don't know what NFE stands for, exactly. you should quickly find out what NFE stands for. Okay, I have one last question for you. It is the most important question. Tapas. What is your favorite kind of tapas? You're from Spain, so you're an expert on this. Tell me what I should be eating. Yeah, so if you come here and you don't have jamón ibérico, you are missing out. And if you are if you are more of a, of a fish person, you definitely need to have some some of uh, our shrimp, uh, alajillo, uh, delicious, L- delicious. You need to have that. I will, I will have to try that. Okay, so thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. This is Kelsey and I'm here with Jeremy. Jeremy, could you please introduce yourself? Sure, I'm Jeremy Hopkins. I'm a product manager for the MetaCloud team at Cisco. Awesome, thanks for being here. Um, so as we're at the OpenStack Summit in Barcelona, um, can you tell us what the general impressions you have of the event so far? Sure. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around OpenStack. It keeps growing. There keeps being new vendors coming into the market. Um, you've seen it grow over time from a focus on how to deploy it and install it. You're starting to see a lot more companies come in on how to manage it um, and really start focusing on the uh, full life cycle. So it's been a, a interesting to see it kind of evolve over time. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been to a bunch of OpenStack summits? Yeah, my first one was Atlanta. So I think that makes it five. Um, so I started Atlanta. Um, I was at 
Rackspace prior to Cisco, and I've been at Cisco through the MetaCloud acquisition for a couple years now. Yeah, super cool. My first event was Portland, so I've definitely watched them kind of grow and evolve over the years. Um, so do you have any specific goals for this summit? Um, I, usually I like to meet with our partners and potential and current customers to really get a good feedback session, see what they're seeing in the market. Um, I also like to try to participate as much as I can in the, the developer side of it uh, to try to see what they're wanting to work on on the next releases, what their priorities are, and provide either guidance or feedback on things we'd like to see developed through working with uh, all of our customers and running their clouds for them. Cool. Sounds like a productive week. Um, and I have one final and very hard-hitting question for you. Um, what is your favorite tapas or tapa, tapai? I don't know exactly. Um, well, last night I actually had uh, really good, it was uh, grilled seafood. I had actually never had uh, grilled mussels before. I think they steamed them a little bit before, but it's a totally different flavor than I'd had before, so I, li- I really liked it. Sounds awesome. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or via techcontentpodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review on behalf of the entire Tech on Tech podcast team and Keith Norby. Thanks for listening. Oh, I saw Kelly Beckman and Kelsey Cook because they'll also be a part of this in retrospect. So, yeah. And all the people who agreed to talk to us. Yes, all the people. Yeah. So I was going through the audio. I had to, like, look up people on LinkedIn and, like, stalk them because nobody had put text to the interviews. So it was just a day that ends in Y for you. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Show yeah, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And then the Mac crapped out. And, and you finally was... get to use all those stocking skills for something professional. Yes. Um, I couldn't find their match.com profiles though. <laughs>